0: Today, we're just going to go through one of the classic paediatric surgical problems, pyloric stenosis, and uh, thankfully we have here to help us today, uh, Mike John, one of our uh, registrars at Queen's Medical Centre. So, um, Mike, I hope you could just kick us off with what causes or what is pyloric stenosis. Well, that's a good question because thank you. (laughs) I think anyone really knows what
1: what causes it. Um, uh, There's been some theories. Uh, alluded to why it happens. Um, essentially, it's a, it's a thickening of the, the pylorus muscle, uh, which classically occurs early in life, in the first few weeks of life, and causes uh, a degree of uh, gastric outlet obstruction and poor feeding
0: and projectile vomiting. Fine. What What would be your classic kind of patient that they, that always comes up in exams? My classic patient.
1: So, the vomiting babies that are brought in. Uh, normally from community obviously they've, they've, they've been home and they, they, they're assessed by the general practitioner that are not feeding properly tend to uh, hear reports of them being forcefully vomiting after after in nearly every feed sometimes several feeds during the day mm. um, with a typical progressive deterioration or progressive worsening, worsening of the condition and worsening of the vomiting uh, you might have a, a family history because there is a recognised or there's a genetic uh, component here. Uh, we see children or, or, or sons of uh, mothers with pyloric stenosis having quite an increased likelihood of having the condition, uh, up, up to four times uh, more likely than other people in the population, um, and a male predominance as well, probably yeah. two to four times more likely than seeing it in, in girls. So, so the demographics do play a, uh, a part. Um, but the classic history is is of a, of a child that's struggling um, to feed, progressive, with progressively worsening vomiting following
0: feeds. Okay, so as you're saying, so it's classically the hungry vomitor, so they're vomiting more and more, not keeping any of their feeds down. And then classic distinction is that's key to make is that they're non bilious vomits. So because the obstruction is proximal to the ampullovar, they're not going to have any bile. Also, no green stuff coming up in their vomit.
1: Yeah, it's very, very difficult to stimulate a pediatric surgical um, doctors' interest if, if if it's a non-bilious vomit. Um, right. Apart from obviously in the instance of pyloric stenosis, but there's there's multiple different reasons a child may be having non-bilious vomiting, um, <clears throat> and and pyloric stenosis is is one on the spectrum of those. The as you alluded to that the babies are often very well but just cannot feed is is the distinct is another distinction and. Um, and tend to be hungry and, and craving, craving bottles or, or, or the breast despite, um, despite feeding well and then vomiting afterwards, they, they tend to be very, very hungry for the milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's key when we, when we see them or we're, or we're taking referrals from, from general practitioners. These are babies that, that probably ought to come under shared care um, with paediatricians um, yeah. quite often. It, it's not a pyloric stenosis that's causing these symptoms. And, and we have to be mindful of differential diagnoses that aren't surgical, like, like obviously infection, uh, gastroesophageal reflux, um, which is quite common in children. Um, uh, but also, as you said, in, from a surgical point of view, to, to, to make damn sure that this isn't a, a green or bilious vomit that's occurring, yeah. um, which may change our management quite
0: significantly. And just one thing, just because this is the classic cause of projectile vomiting, what would you call projectile? Because Every GP will call them on the phone saying they've got a projectile monitor, It's pyloric stenosis?
1: I think if you asked 100 people you might get 50 different answers. Okay, what's well, uh, your answer? My, my answer is uh, forceful projectile. It, it, you know, I've seen lots of babies that, that that don't have projectile vomiting that have yeah. have pyloric stenosis. It, it's one of those things that, that does turn up sometimes in conversations between doctors. Um, uh, someone once said to me it's is if the baby can hit the opposite wall um with the vomit right and that's uh you know but but if you want to test that theory yes. waiting for the baby to decorate decorate your bed or decorate yeah. its bedroom with, with 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 altered milk then that's fine the the natural progression of the vomiting is is, is probably more key to the history in okay. terms of description and these kids they will will also quite, struggle quite quickly to, to tolerate enough nutrition to hold on to their weight so the weight becomes static and, and then weight can also start to drop off as well and those are the things that you really are looking in the history and being, being quite quite
0: concerned about. Right. So we've established that there'd be um, basically the hungry monitor that's potentially dehydrated uh, are there any other sort of signs that you'd look for on physical examination of the child?
1: So always best to examine a baby from top to toe, regardless of whether or not you're a surgeon or a paediatrician or a GP. Um, looking at just basic condition of the child, obviously uh, from the off when you when you strip them down. Um, looking at the, the evidence of dehydration, so a sunken fontanelle, you know, to look at the, the general skin turgor, the capillary refill time is, is quite a useful test mm-hmm. to do as a clinical assessment in all in all children, but particularly babies. Um, they may have a, a distension to the upper part of the abdomen um, if they if there's if they, see if there's a lot of milk or they've just had a feed. Sometimes you see visible peristalsis waves of peristalsis across the abdomen, which uh, one of my old bosses used to try and stimulate by giving the, the skin or giving the abdomen a little bit of a flick. But uh, whether yeah. or that's a useful test
0: or not, I'm not sure. Okay. And um, what other sort of things can you do? the classic sort of pyloric olive that you need to feel for, so how would you, how would you feel for that? So, different, different techniques to that. Um,
1: test feed is, is one that comes up quite often mm-hmm. um, and that's a rather mean test where you place a nasogastric tube for the baby, decompress the stomach completely um, and then offer them a, a, a nice uh, a bottle of milk on mum's lap whilst you stand uh, to the baby's left and, and place your hand across the abdomen palpating the stomach as it fills uh, with milk um, uh, to to try the, the distension of the stomach, hopefully bringing the, bringing the pyloric tumour up to your finger so it's easier for you to feel. Okay. Um, and then of course emptying the stomach afterwards which means that the baby doesn't get satiety, to you, doesn't have any, any benefit from the feed itself. Um, other techniques you generally tend to examine baby's eyes through pyloric stenosis on the back with their legs. Uh, and their hip hips flexed uh, to relax the stomach, and and making sure the baby's as settled as possible. Uh, Give them some sugar solution and things like that, or mm. or some some dummies dipped in the milk itself. Uh, so if they're crying, and screaming, they won't be able to feel anything. You so won't feel anything. It's it's principles of all good examination techniques for children and adults. There's, there's no point in examining a screaming baby; it doesn't tell you anything. Yep. Um. And so, it, generally, place your hand. In approximately the right, the right upper quadrant, and and try not to move your fingers once they're on the abdomen. Mm-hmm. The, the technique is to, is to roll uh, things under your fingers in the abdominal cavity without lifting them off persistently and putting them back in a different place. That that's that's not going to
0: work. Sort of the border of the uh, lateral, so lateral border of the rectus muscle in the right upper quadrant.
1: Right? Yep. Yeah, so to make sure you're not feeling the ziffy sternum to begin with. Um, um and and come down come down laterally to the to the rectus um sometimes the pie will hide up under the liver and it's not always easy to examine and and very very practice consultants can struggle with this Mm -hmm. um which which is which makes ultrasound obviously very useful um, because we're fortunate that we have that as a modality to use in, in the instances we can't feel things in a baby we suspect may have a pyloric stenosis.
0: Fine, So that's one of the things you do, is basically if you can't feel it and there's a high suspicion, basically, ultrasound?
1: Yeah, ultrasound is safe, it's easy to do. Um, we're lucky, particularly Nottingham, we have some very, very good sonographers there and radiologists that will, will tell you very quickly whether or not a child has a pyloric stenosis. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vast majority of babies now will have an ultrasound preoperatively. Uh, some some uh, surgeons are happy to take the child to theatre based on the palpation of the olive and with a good history um, yeah. and biochemical findings and the gas, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, there's no reason really not
0: to do an ultrasound. Yeah. Um, and um, um, what are you looking for on the ultrasound that would sort of define it as?
1: Uh, so measurements um, of the pylorus itself so as the, the obviously the, the channel elongates as well as getting thicker because it's the circular muscle that that, that, that well that, that gets thickened during the process um they, they vary from paper to paper but general consensus is around about four millimeters of, of one half of the pylorus so so one wall thickness yep. should be less than four millimeters. Um, and the channel length itself uh, would be uh, less than fourteen millimeters at the, at the bottom end would, would be considered normal. Mm-hmm. Um, the useful tests obviously, in a, in a practiced um, person or a practiced sonographer, will also most likely be able to comment comment on whether or not they can see uh, transmission of, of, of fluids and secretions across the pylorus itself as well during the scan. Um, and having seen, you know, when they've seen enough of them, that. Basically, it either looks like a pyloric tumour or it doesn't essentially, um, right. most of them. The, uh, t- to, the, to the experts that we've got in our centre, um, the, the, the measurements become arbitrary and become useful, but useful for us to document, but they normally say yes, this is a pyloric, pyloric right. tumour.
0: A lot of the time before they even make it to an ultrasound, um, we'd like to do a gas on these babies on these as well, so what's, that, uh, what's the thing with that show?
1: So there's a classical picture for gastric outlet obstruction on a on a blood gas, um, which stays persistent throughout life. I've seen seen adult patients uh, with with these changes, and um, for the same reasons that you, you get them in babies. The textbook uh, would talk of a hypochloremic hypokalemic metabolic alkalosis. That's what we tend to look for, or what our medical colleagues look for, mm-hmm. also when they when they're dealing with babies that are dehydrated and vomiting.
0: Uh, that's a good sort of way of distinguishing between. Uh, pyloric stenosis and basically other causes that you're mentioning like gastroesophageal reflux that generally with the reflux that they're not going to get the sort of derangement in electrolytes
1: the 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 gas may be normal in the pyloric stenosis if you if the pickup is <coughs> earlier and it's something that we do see now so generally see uh, pyloric stenosis was always talked about or classically around 4 to 6 weeks of age is when you diagnose it i think probably the pickup is is becoming quicker now um, due to increased awareness and also access to things like ultrasound scan. Some, some children are having one milky burp in, a, in an A&E and getting an ultrasound scan as a result and showing a thickened pylorus, which, which is great because it gets to the bottom of the diagnosis, gets to the diagnosis quicker and gets the management sorted quicker. Um, so so a normal gas doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean the child doesn't have pyloric stenosis, but But generally, the the chronicity of the dehydration and the difficulty the babies experience with with the gastrocolic drives this um, this alkalosis, um, both from um, uh, the vomiting of using the hydrogen chloride from from the vomitus, but also the changes that occur in the kidneys as well in
0: terms of electrolyte balance. So why why do they get the hypokalemia with it as well? So we
1: we're evolved um, to have a homeostatic. Volume rather than um, pH. I mean, the volume dictates everything in, in humans, um, and so babies, as as well as adults, will conserve sodium at all costs. Um, so, when you are dehydrated from your vomiting, um, as much as it, it would be useful to try and normalize, uh, do your best to normalize your pH. So, most babies will um, uh, retain, so all babies will retain sodium. Um, in exchange for potassium um, and hydrogen in, mm-hmm. in the kidneys, and that drives the alkalosis further, and, and gives you the, the so-called paradoxical aciduria that you find in in stenosis Because you're um, pumping out the protons in the yeah. yeah. So you always, you generally in, in medicine expect your serum to match your match your urine in terms of uh, looking for disease processes. Um, if you're trying to correct an alkalosis, you'd expect to find an alkalotic urine. But in, this, in these babies, we don't see that. We see um, aciduria because of the um, sodium-hydrogen um, exchange that's going on.
0: Thank you for listening to another podcast brought to you by School of Surgery. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook at School of Surgery, on iTunes, on Podomatic at schoolofsurgery.podomatic.com and finally by searching School of Surgery on YouTube. Thank you very much and see you next time.